I think that's it. All right. We awesome. have killed it. Good. We got ten minutes till start. So it looks like there's some folks uh, logging in. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we may want to, um, Scott, you may want to advise people to just um, go to speaker view in the top right hand corner. Um, that might be easier for them to actually view you and Dasha um, as you go through the questions. So quick question about recording then, as I'm recording, do I need to be in speaker view for the recording or will it how do you prefer that? Um, I mean, no preference. Um, whatever you, whatever you need. Okay, I might switch it around a little bit. Okay, great. Actually, if you could keep it mainly on speaker view, that would probably be helpful. Um, and then when we get into live questions, it'll just, I, I think it'll go back and forth. So we should be good. Um. Wow, full screen, Anna. Ooh. Right. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. We have 16 participants on right now. Let's say we have a fair few from Stealth, um, just for various reasons, just to, we're always learning. So, um, and it's uh, just a show of support for you guys as well, just to, to get some folks on. That's awesome. That's another two joining, another three. They're coming thick and fast. How many, uh, who would like the over under on 70? Mm. Under or over? I think we'll probably go a little bit over. We'll see. Okay, you, you're going to take the over on 70. Okay, I think that's a smart bet. Yeah, I'll go over 70. Yeah. Let's be the optimist. Stay positive. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've had 150 signups, you should, uh, halfway, you know, as usual. I'll take 71.2. Just because. Oh, nice. <laughs> Has everyone met David? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Scott, when you're doing the intros, if you just want to say, hey, Stealth Group, and then everyone from Stealth Group will just wave, maybe something like that. Okay. Dasha, could you rename your screen with your name in it, please? Don't have a clue how to do it. So three dots on the top right hand side. Yeah. Ah, got it. All right. Better? Yep. Or dash your at stealth, something like that. So for anyone that's joined early, 
Are there any burning questions that uh, we can either we can either advise we will be answering those anyway, or uh, maybe there's something new. So feel free to uh, to speak up and ask anything now while you're early. Fine, isn't it always the way that as soon as you're about to start one of these things, that's when uh, your neighbor's gardener arrives with a, the loudest leaf blower on the planet. Or in, in this my particular case, I'm going to be on mute a lot because my neighbor is having a new swimming pool installed and the cement trucks just arrived. Perfect timing. That is amazing timing. And then <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it's only appropriate that after said swimming pool uh, is installed that he invite you over. <laughs> I, I would agree with that and I'll, I'll let him know you suggested that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so, he'd be like, well, who's Scott McDaniel? Yeah. Hello, neighbor. Scott <laughs> McDaniel said to come over. <laughs> you should come fun. here, just, just arrive and just turn up and use it. Yeah, let's see what he says. <laughs> All right, we've got 24 folks on the call. Uh, four minutes till start time. Yeah, we have experienced um, uh, quite a few people coming in just after start time. So uh, hopefully we'll see a, a flood come through sure. then. <laughs> Anna, your background is still reversed. I'm working on it right now. Hopefully I can get it fixed here in a second. Yeah, that's happened to me a couple of times and I don't know what I did to fix it. I'm sorry. So. Well, if you go into a simple editor and then you flip the image and then resave it and then load it back up, then it will show the other way. Okay, I will do that. I've been trying to do that. It's weird because it shows fine on my end, but obviously I need to do it for you guys. So let me, let me see what I can do. There you go. It's fixed. All right. Well done. 
Cannon. That's another three. All right, everyone, there's a minute to go. Thanks uh, for those joined already. And we're going to give it a minute or so, just expecting some, uh, some stragglers and then we'll get started. We're up to 40 participants. It is 9.30, but I think we'll give it just one more minute because we're expecting a few more people. And here they are. Scott, probably just to, to respect the folks that did join on time, perhaps we should make a start. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and start our event. So welcome everybody to our webinar today. My name is Scott McDaniel, Vice President of Technology at Simple Helix. We at Simple Helix, we've been doing a series of events around CMMC over the past several months. And so we've been looking at CMMC from the perspective of the subcontractor, we did another event where we looked at it from the perspective of the primes. Just a few weeks, we had uh, Reagan Edens join us and looked at it from the perspective of the CMMC advisory board. And today we're rounding out our series by looking at it from the assessor's perspective. Just a few housekeeping items. Uh, we do ask that for now, everybody, please make sure that you are indeed muted. And then you can also go in the upper right corner and select the presentation or the speaker view. And then that'll kind of help keep focused on, on those that are chatting. As we go through our presentation today, please make sure that you text your questions in the chat field. And then once we get a little bit further through our presentation, you know, we'll start answering those questions and then 
wrap this up at the tail end by hopefully opening it up for more discussion. Uh, to be respectful of everybody's time, we will cut off right at the end of the hour. So as I mentioned, we, have, we are going to be going through a perspective of from, the, from an assessor's point of view on CMMC and hopefully go through a bunch of questions. Our agenda is to go through and kind of get this conversation started with some pre-canned questions, but then again, as we go, we'll open it up. With us today, uh, we have the Stealth ISS team. Uh, Stealth ISS team, if you would, uh, give a, a hand wave to everybody in the, that's joined us today. And uh, specifically, I have Dasha Deckworth that uh, will be uh, answering the questions from the viewpoint of the assessor. So Dasha, can you give us a quick introduction about yourself? Sure, thank you so much for the introduction. So my name is Dasha Deckworth. I'm the, uh, the president of Stealth, but also foremost here for this is I'm a provisional assessor uh, by the CMMC AB board. I've been in the first, um, first class and um, yeah, really supporting here to make sure that we get the message out to all companies on what is needed, what they need to do and answer any questions really to, uh, to make them feel okay about going forward and uh, getting CMMC compliant. Yeah, so really appreciate your time today, Dasha. Um, we at Simple Helix, you know, we get customers asking all the time, you know, what, what is a, what's an audit gonna look like and uh, what are the type of things that the assessors are gonna be asking about? So can you give us an update as to where the DOD is in the certifying the actual assessors themselves, like yourself? Yes, it's, uh, it's not really a short answer there, but um, so right now we have, um, I think by the end of this month, we're gonna have 140 provisional assessors, just like myself, that will be going out there and will be able to work on the on the pilot program to get the first companies out there. Um, from last time I talked to the CMMCAB board, we should get our official training to become from provisional assessor to certified sometime this summer. So as soon as that happens, uh, the DOD is still kind of working out the, uh, the little, some, some of the issues in the background, but so far it looks like um, we should have our official certified assessor training by end of summer. And then uh, once we all pass the exam, we should have 140 certified assessors that will be able to go out and do assessments. Now, um, as some of you may already know, the provisional or certified assessors need to collaborate with C3PAO companies. So we cannot do go and work individually with any company and do the assessments we have to, or if you're a company looking for the CMMT assessment, you have to reach out to a C3PAO company. And the C3PAO company then works with the provisional or the certified assessors. Um, now, where's the, where are we with the C3PAOs? So you've probably seen there's a lot of um, verbiage out there on, especially on LinkedIn and advertising, everybody is, or everybody, a lot of companies are becoming C3PAOs. Stealth Group is one of them. So yes, we are C3PAOs, we've gone through that. However, the only thing that really stops us at this point to be 
100% official and go out and do the official assessments for the DOD is all C3PO companies need to undergo their own CMMC level three assessment by the DOD. So we are, some, some already are in the process, some are waiting on it, um, but it all seems to be tied in with by the end of this summer, uh, we should have the green light to go ahead and officially get started on all assessments. Gotcha. And then like, I know with like NIST 800-171, those assessments are typically done by the DCMA. So is it like you have to go through like a DCMA audit to Pretty get your, your, yeah. your approval that then lets you say, okay, now I'm a private entity that can now go do this on behalf of the government? Pretty much. I mean, yes, we are waiting for the DIPCAT to give us to do the assessments on our, for us as a CPPL company. So yeah, same thing. Uh, we have to go through that process and then we will become official. Yeah. All right. And then like with that in mind, um, kind of talk through a little bit of the training that you went through to be an assessor. And are, are there any things that were surprising to you as you went through that training uh, program? Um, I have to say the training was really great. The uh, CMMC AV board done a great job because unlike other trainings where you kind of watch your training online, you click your way through it and take a quiz. This was a combination of here's the mandatory online training you have to do. And then several days of actually having instructors, having breakout sessions where we actually done our assessments and had different scenarios that we had to work through as small groups or individually and be able to answer. And yes, there's a lot of gray areas, especially even now with the DOD not having made final decisions on some of those. So that's where it really helped to walk through real life exercises that companies face today and discuss those. It's, um, you know, we all had different opinions and especially those gray areas. You can, I mean, gray area, let's talk about cloud, you know, is it, do you need GCC high? Can you go with Office 365? What about remote workers? Um, how is the audit gonna work, especially now during COVID, if you have half of your staff working from home, for example? Those kind of real life questions. And I think that was really great that helped us during the training. But also now afterwards, uh, we're still, all the PAs, we got our own, chat groups and forums and we are connecting and collaborating and we're really reaching out to each other um, even during the pre-assessments or current scenarios that we have where we may not be 100% sure, hey, how does this scenario apply? So we have also the CMMTAB board and the provisional assessors to help us actually walk through this and, uh, and validate and make sure that, hey, yes, this is the right approach. This is especially as things are getting sorted out. Gotcha. And then, um, like, what are the types of things or your requirements as an assessor to go and gather objective evidence against um, the controls? What, what are some of the guidelines that you were given on how do you gather that objective evidence? Okay. So overall, the this entire CMMC project is kind of split up in different areas. So there is the this project scoping first, 
which is where we work with the clients to really understand what is the scope that we need to assess for CMMC. Then of course, there's the, um, the readiness assessment. So for example, if a company is not quite sure, are we there yet? Are we going to fail? Or are we going to pass the assessment, the official CMMC assessment? So there's a readiness stage where they can actually reach out to the CAs, PAs, or C3PAOs, or even at this stage, a CMMC consulting company, like uh, to, to really understand if we were to take the assessment today, are we there? And uh, I think the biggest difference that we see today uh, with CMMC in comparison to NIST is they gave us clear guidelines of what exactly we need to look for. So there's, there's three ways to gather evidence or three evidence um, options. So one is you test it, you interview, or the other one is you actually, um, you, you test it, you interview, or you, you actually see it. So we need to meet two of these objectives. So for example, if we evidence it, um, then we either need to also then test it or we need to interview. In most cases, it's going to be an interview or it's going to be a policy procedure that we read. And then based on that, we then either need to test it that it works or we need to see the screenshots, the configuration, maybe tickets to show that what they told us or what is in the policy that it actually applies. And all of this needs to be recorded properly evidenced because if at some point there is a question about it, we as the PAs need to have the evidence, we give it to the C3PAO that then they do their own QA review to make sure that whatever we collected as the PAs or CAs that meets the requirements, meets, meets the standards from the CMMCAB board. And when that meets the goals or the requirements, then it gets passed over to the CMMC AB board or AB for decision on what kind of level they the company will get. So it's a it's pretty much a three-way process. The CAPAs are really involved, the C3PAOs, another QA assessment or QA test, and then the CMMC AB board on top of it. So quite a lengthy process, but it's um it's good and well thought through because it really shows that you cannot take any shortcuts. It really has to meet certain quality and it, it will be good. But at the same time, that also causes a lot of companies to struggle with it because it's so thorough. A lot of companies believe, well, okay, we passed our internal NIST assessment. Therefore, we can meet CMMC level three without any issues. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Gotcha. And then, um, like for me personally, I had experience with doing ISO 27001 from an assessment perspective or an audit perspective. And when I was in that ISO 27001 world, you know, we as assessors, you know, we were trained that our goal was never, ever to try to, quote, fail the company. Um, you're, you're there to do a job, you, you have to do it um, the right way. There's absolutely controls that are subjective on how they could be interpreted. And while you couldn't necessarily, you know, do consulting services to help the person get across the finish line, 
it, it was, you know, you had to be fair about it. Um, did you get that same kind of, um, hey, this is how the culture around uh, an assessment was supposed to be? Definitely, yeah. So uh, we definitely did not get the instructions on not to fail anyone because we as well, the sure. assessors make a recommendation to the board on what we think they should get or not get as far as what level they should qualify. But the decision itself is made by the CMMCAB board. So we, as the PAs, CAs, or CQPAs hmm. have nothing to do with that. We only gather the evidence and present it and make a recommendation that we believe which company should have level three or level two based on what we found. Um, now there are strict rules as far as if you do an assessment, um, and CMMC is a maturity level. So it shows that you have controls in place and have been practicing those. So even if we identify something during the assessment that, hey, you're missing a policy, we cannot help the client or consult the client on how to remediate that so we can mark it during the assessment as it's in place. So we cannot do that. We are professional assessors, we are assessing the consulting piece, remediation, all that needs to be done outside of the assessment phase, preferably before the assessment takes place. So we cannot have the assessor and consultant had during the assessment phase. All right, however, and then, oh, go let ahead. Me just, before we scare everyone, however, if there, there's, a, there's a timeline that if you, for example, have something not in place during the assessment and you need to remediate, and we as the assessors mark that and submit the evidence and everything over to the board to make a decision, there is a grace period where you can fix those and then submit, resubmit the evidence and then we can amend that. So there is a grace period, but we as the assessors cannot help with the consulting or remediation in that phase. Gotcha. And then is there a concept, so, as you're working a particular practice, um, like in, again, I go back to kind of the ISO 27,000 world that they had the concept of, it could be an opportunity for improvement. Uh, it was a major non-compliance or a critical non-compliance. Is so like in ISO 27,000, you know, an opportunity for improvement would be like, yeah, you met the definition of the practice or the control, but we, we're not gonna take the points away from you, so to speak, but you, you need to go and do better. A critical one would be like, um, you had the policy, you have the, the right things in place, but when you went to verify, you couldn't come up with the objective evidence. So you did lose the point, but maybe it was, you didn't have the right screenshot or you didn't have the right um, objective evidence to demonstrate you could do it. And then like the, the highest level, the number two was, well, you didn't have the policy. You don't have any objective evidence. You, you don't even meet the control at all. So, I mean, that's, that's just a flat out fail. Is there something similar that will come from a CMMC audit like that? Um, not in particular, this clearly defined, but um, as the assessors. So yeah, a lot of it is a little bit objective and we as the assessor decide based on the client infrastructure, based on the client operations, what is a fail or what is a pass. But for example, even if it's a critical, 
let's say you operate something, you have the policies, um, you have it in your day-to-day -day operations, you're just missing that piece, let's say the proper documentation, or um, let's say you started doing that 30 days ago and did not have it in place for let's say the last three months or so. Um, we will we will annotate that, but as I said, there is a grace period. So even if you if, if we find okay, you don't have the documentation, the CMMCAB or I believe it's a DOD actually gives that 90 day grace period that you can then resubmit and show you're actually doing that. So if we find it, it's if you don't have if you have absolutely nothing, yeah, it's a it's a no go. So you fail that piece of it. But if you're missing only bits and pieces of it, and it's a minor thing, uh, then it's not it's not a problem. You can resubmit that, and then it will be evaluated. Um, right. and then like and on it a really on depends on what it is. Gotcha. So on something that's a a major, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to just say a major failure, but you know, you you failed the control. Um, like one of the questions that was asked is. Uh, they've heard that you have like 90 days to basically try to fix it and submit again. Is there, when, when you do fail to meet the intent of a practice or a control, is there that 90 day window? Is there some, win, or is there some recommendation that you have this amount of time to prove that, no, I can fix this? Well, there is the 90 day grace period. So if there's something that needs to be fixed, the client has the opportunity to fix it in those 90 days and resubmit it. Um, gotcha. But uh, let's put it this way. It, it really depends what is, what is critical. If, for example, you, you miss a few people that sign to, to have them sign and go through the latest CUI training and you're missing this training piece in the assessment, well, it's, it's important, but it's not that critical. But if at the same time you have absolutely no log collection, um, you have, or just collecting some logs and nobody is reviewing that, now that's a major thing. Um, it depends how quickly will you be able to fix that in those 90 days, how mature your program is and what evidence you submit then to validate, okay, is this good enough? within those 90 days, can we mark it as, okay, it meets the requirements or not. So, yeah, you know, yeah. some, some things just take a little bit longer than 90 days to show maturity. Some things are easily fixable. So it's, I, I think at that point, especially when we resubmit is, again, same thing with, with the assessment is, we make a recommendation, we collect the evidence, but the good thing with that 90 days day period is, it's, it can be fixed without the, the company actually having to apply or reapply and go through the whole new assessment process, pay another company to come in and redo it all over. So that, that's, that's the advantage of it. Gotcha. Uh, another person asked a question. So you're, you've gone through your assessment. You're now in this 90 day grace window or this 90 day fix window and the company is awarded a contract, can they still get the contract because they're in this 90 day window? Um, honestly, I, I, based on what I know and what I've read, 
the the verbiage is the client or the the contractor needs to be CMMC compliant to get a contract. So yeah, and, and I would agree with that too, right? That yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think an interim or in status is something that the DOD will accept. I don't know. I can't speak to them, but based on the verbiage the CMMC level needs to be in place in order to get the contract. Yeah. And I would agree with that too, that, you know, because you, just because you've been through the audit process doesn't mean you're holding your certificate yet. Yeah. You don't get your certificate until the very tail end. So from that perspective, when yeah. you're in that 90 day window, you, you are not CMMC certified. So therefore you can't get the contract. And, and the other thing is um, the CMMCAB decides based on the recommendation and what they see, what level you get. So for example, you may be in that phase, you're bidding on a contract that is level three, but because you missed something and you need to resubmit it, maybe it's, it was so critical that it, it gets decided, you know what, you don't meet the requirements for level three, you only meet them for level two. So it's not just about having the CMMC assessment and being certified it's also what level did you get versus what contract level are you bidding on so those are two different things that need to align all right and then um for our viewers today that have not started on their cmmc journey yet what would you say is the best way for them to approach this and build their strategy to say here here's how you, you start this to be successful when you're at the tail end of it? So the, the best recommendations is if you have your IT or assessment team in-house, if you have the staff, um, my suggestion is go to the DOD website and download the latest CMMC version 1.2 uh, worksheet with all the guidelines, the material is there. If you have that, and you really know, and you, you, you have really good assessment staff that will remove their internal ties with the company and really be very objective, then have them go through the exercise and assess you. Um, what we've noticed, a lot of companies may not have the staffing there. So in that case, um, my recommendation is reach out to a company that has either PAs or RPs or reach out to the PAs or registered CMMC practitioners and get their insight. Have them help you to go through this and understand where you really are. Um, as I said, NIST itself was a snapshot, a one-time self-assessment where you say, yep, have in place, have in place. CMMC is the maturity piece of it. It has a few more requirements that are not part of NIST. It also has DFARS requirements in there. It has a couple other things in there. So it, it is a combination of everything, but really it's about maturity. So it's not a one-time snapshot. Just because you created the policy yesterday does not make it mature. So you would not meet the requirements. So a lot of assessments and consulting that we've done in the past with clients show that, you know what, it's, even though you believe just because you passed your internal NIST assessment, you think you're ready for level three, a lot of them were not even ready for level one. Oh, wow. So, 
Yes, it, it, unfortunately. And, and you have to see this with CMMC. You have to meet everything in level one and everything in level two in order to get level three. Even if you miss one piece in level one, that goes everything out the window. It might be a simple thing, but just one little piece of level one that pretty much ruins everything, even though you may miss, even though you may have everything completed and ready to go for level two and three, that one little piece on level one, that's it. It's either all or nothing. Yeah, and then the thing that we see at Simple Helix when we're helping customers trying to get to CMMC compliance is that we very often see customers race to start implementing things. So, hey, Simple Helix, can you help us lock our firewalls down? Hey, can you get us into 0365 GCC or GCC high? You know, we, we know we need to go do these things. Can you do that? And of course, you know, for us, we come back and we'll say, okay, yeah, we'd be glad to do that. Can you give us a copy of your SSP? And they'll say, well, we haven't written one of those yet. Yeah. And we're going, okay, but if you don't have an SSP, then I don't know how to go configure O365 without crushing your compute environment. So, you know, otherwise I'm going to lock it down and you probably can't use it. Now you can't conduct business. That's bad. Um, so there's got to be some give and take with it. And so from my perspective, you know, we're constantly trying to say, hey, don't try to skip steps. Start through the front door. Um, walk through the front door to get to the back. Go through the motions. And, um, you know, one of the things that we see, and there's actually a couple, a couple of folks have already asked questions about it, which is uh, one of the very first things is trying to define the scope. Um, you know, what, where, where is the CUI? What's actually going to be CUI? And then um, start setting the scope. So can, can you explain from the assessor side of it, you know, what, what is scoping and why is it so important? Very good question. And I think that's where a lot of companies struggle with is, uh, and part of it is not due because of the company's lack of tracking where data is located but also part of it um, because data when we get it as defense contractors may not necessarily have the CUI label on it so we really don't know is that really CUI does it fall where is that so I think the best question is first to understand what is where you as a company have your FCI CUI data yes that may require a little bit of classification, a little bit of research, but in, in general, you can very easily separate out the commercial. If you have a commercial arm of your business, they probably are not going to touch it. If you have a federal, then most likely that is in scope. So to keep it very simple, if you talk about descoping something, if you can eliminate your commercial arm, all the people that are dealing only on the commercial side, from even having access to any of the FCI CUI data, then that's descoping. So then suddenly you only have the federal, your federal arm in scope. And there, of course, um, you will need to have those, you know, the separation of the infrastructure, the control and everything else. But then suddenly, instead of taking your entire organization, which may be, for example, 10 offices and 500 assets, you suddenly have 
only 50% of it because you were able to completely separate out the commercial arm and maybe your contractors and everything else that you have outsourced and just really limit your CMMC scope to half of it. And that is key because managing, monitoring, and implementing, remediating all of this, 50% of scope is probably going to cost you a lot less than if you try to certify your entire organization for CMMC. So that is really the first thing that I recommend for every company is just understand first where your data is, eliminate those people that do not need to access from the entire workflow, from the process, from access, um, and then separate out the infrastructure. And then you can, you know exactly what your scope is. And then from there, you can identify where are my gaps? And then reaching out to companies like us or Simple Helix to fix something. That is when, that is when you really make the, make the effort and really find the right things on what needs to be really be fixed and what the scope is. <coughs> yeah, and then one of the questions happened was, okay, well, what if I, I scope in, as a small business, I scope in something that I think is cooey, but it's not really cooey. When you go through the assessment, is it because I mentioned it was cooey it is now in scope and now it's a fair game or would you as an assessor go, I hear that you brought that in scope, uh, but that's not really cooey and therefore it needs to be taken out of scope. Well, that, that's kind of where the initial phase comes in for CMMC assessment. There's the first phase, which is the scoping phase. So before we even start a CMMC assessment, we are in the scope phase. So we will review the documentation that you give us. There will be some back and forth and us understanding what your environment looks like, what the scope looks like, because that also will play into how we will give you a quote, the timeline, how long it will take and be able to tell you also as a client, um, this is what we're gonna need from you here, the people, and really defining the whole project plan around how this assessment will go. And by the way, this whole scoping and the project plan and all this is part of the official CMMC assessment needs to be well documented. And then that is part of what will be submitted to the CPPAO and the CMMCAB as part of the overall assessment. Now, if during the assessment, we identify that, for example, you didn't put something in that was CUI or, something that is, should not have been there, then we can always submit a change, an official, um, that also will go into the whole CMMC certification file and documentation that we will submit. So that flexibility is there, but of course, every change will change usually the, the entire project, the timeline, maybe the cost of it, the duration, all of it. So, that's why it's key and important to be ready for the assessment and be ready to get all the documentation to the assessor during the, during the initial phase of scoping, budgeting, timelining, and everything so everybody knows what to expect. Gotcha. And then um, you kind of touched on, hey, if your business is half commercial and half you know, working on a DOD contract, 
you know, one of the best strategies is if there's just a way that you can completely um, separate those two worlds, um, like, can those two worlds still have, you know, one email system and one domain? Or when you say actually separate it, like make it as if like, you know, they're completely separate email systems and they're completely separate identities. Um, or are you just saying if just as long as you can properly demonstrate that this commercial side just can't access the data, it's okay that they coexist? Um, there are different tools out there <clears throat> and different solutions where you can have it on the same domain, same mail server, everything. There is, for example, tools that, um, that you can use uh, for specific CUI encryption. Uh, might it be hard disk, might it be, uh, I mean, storage solution or even encryption solution to email um, CUI out. So as long as you demonstrate that CUI meets the CMMC requirements, um, that's fine. It really depends on how your infrastructure is set up. So I can't, and I don't want to say exactly you have to, or you can have one and one domain only and make sure that it fits the CUI is protected properly and commercial has no access to it. Um, I think the real answer would really be, and what is your system? What are you using? How is it configured? Uh, but overall, there are tools out there where you can have one mail system, but for CY specifically, you use encryption, DOD encryption, uh, specific DOD storage, but you have to make sure that all this is separated from a technology, physical, logical, and from a process perspective. All right. And then um, this one's kind of an interesting one. So this one actually came from our last event. So somebody asked... Uh, Reagan, hey, COVID was such an impact. We all had to go start working from home. Um, the question that was asked to him, which is, well, if I'm working from home, does that now mean my home workspace is in scope? And he came back and went, well, yeah, of course it's in scope. So then that leads to the question, you as an assessor, how would you conduct the audit when somebody's working from home? Good question. And that was something that we asked during the training as well. And the response was, well, we need to go visit. Um, for CMMC assessments, for the official ones, um, they cannot be done remotely. There is an interim phase right now with COVID, but that was a few months ago, where they can be done remotely, but the official guideline is once we're out of this COVID and travel is allowed, assessments, all assessment need to be done on site. Now, what we did not have, and I don't think there's a decision on that yet, is when people work from home, yes, we will have to go visit. But um, I'm pretty sure the DOD is not asking us to visit 500 employees at their home. Um, I think there will be a sample, maybe 10% or 20% that we will actually just go and validate to make sure that their physical controls are in place and that everything logically as well and technology-wise meets the CMMC requirements. Gotcha. All right. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we keep um, stressing with our customers, uh, so like for me personally, 
I, I keep hearing quite frequently, well, you know, from business owners and CEOs, they go, well, you know, I just want to, I, I think I need to get CMMC ready by the end of the year. Um, and so we're trying to figure out when we're going to start. And for us, you know, we're kind of like, you need to start right now um, because it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, can you talk to that a little bit and kind of explain why it's important to start on the CMMC journey now? Definitely. Um, yes. And by the way, we're saying the same thing to our clients when they or anyone that asks us, is, when do I need to start? Well, the sooner the better, to be honest, because it's, as I said earlier, the assessments that we're doing, we're seeing that a lot of companies, just because CMMC is so different than NIST, and requires a little bit more and you're going to have a third-party assessor so it's not going to be your own personal in-house opinion how good you are it's going to be somebody else's so we see a lot of companies have a somewhat distorted picture of where they think they are versus where they really are in cmmc so in other words there will be most likely every company will have some remediation to do and remediation usually requires having a budget in place, buying technology or more training or changing processes or doing something. So that alone takes time, takes resources in-house or even finding a third party to do it for them. So that alone is, um, is going to take some time. And as CMMC is not an, as a one-time assessment or a snapshot, but it looks for maturity. If you, for example, today write your policy and you ask the CMMC assessor to come in and check you, it's not going to fly because you literally just wrote that document yesterday that shows you, you do not have maturity. It's not ingrained in your business day-to-day -day operations. It's not part of your corporate CMMC or CUI culture or security culture. So no, that's not going to work. So you want to be ready for the assessment to have enough evidence to show the assessor showing that you are actually practicing all of these things that CMMC requires you to do. So you will need to have screenshots, you will need to have logs, you will need to have the training. Yes, there's no particular timeline where the CMMC or DOE says, you know what, you will have to review 12 months or six months or whatever, eight months of evidence and show that you are mature but it is depending on what it is each assessor interprets based on your environment to show are you really mature in this area are you really practicing it so make sure you have that evidence ready and that collection of that evidence takes some time so even if you implement for example a new training program today for your staff you will need to have everybody who comes in join you will have your entire staff trained. If you write a policy that you will have every month a security awareness training, then as an assessor, I would be looking at saying, okay, well, if you have it every month, I'd probably be looking at a minimum two or three months of evidence from you to show that everybody gets trained that needs to get trained. So there is a timeline. And that's why we're saying the sooner you start, the better, because remediation is key. You will have some, most likely, and then collection of the evidence, you need to be ready. So, and, and you never know uh, when that particular contract comes out that is going to be fit for you, that you will say, 
oh, I wish I would have my CMMC because now I cannot, I can't get this. And this contract looks so perfect for me. I wish I would have my CMMC. We don't want you to get there. So, and by the yeah. way, it's going to be a, 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 a bottleneck anyways, because right now we only have, I think, 70 C3PAOs and 140 um, assessors, provisional assessors. So even if we get all certified by the end of the summer, uh, we're looking at 300,000 companies that will want to get the CMMC certification. So there will be a bottleneck. Yeah, and then, um, well, and then the same thing happens for us at Simple Helix, right? So if we had a customer today that was say, maybe like say 50 employees or a hundred employees, um, and of course the more employees, the window stretches out a little bit, let's just say, but you know, somewhere in that 50 to hundred employee company, you know, for us, we have a backlog right now. So we would not be able to start immediately, right? You got to get into the queue then, you know, let's just say, hey, we have to go pick up the O365 and we're moving it to a GCC environment or a GCC high environment. Well, that's got to get coordinated and, you know, a project plan has to be built. And then we have to actually do the, all the lockdown things that we're going to do. And that has to be validated by test groups and like your, to your point. So, you know, now, like if I have like two month queue before you get started, and it say takes maybe three months to get through the initial implementation. Now you're talking summertime, and then obviously you gotta you gotta operate under the new cyber compliance program, and um, in order to be able to go. And so you know we're saying, hey, if if you're sitting here in April saying I want this done by the end of the year, it, it almost may be too late. Um, if you're that 50 or 100 person company, um, obviously we're trying to become faster and more efficient at doing it. And I'm sure like you guys as assessors will get faster and more efficient as you go. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lengthy process. And so from that perspective, the sooner you get going, you get better. Uh, one of the questions that they come in was, um, you know, they're, they're, they understand that walk through the front door, right? So you know, obviously we got to do a gap assessment to figure out what it is that you do have and you don't have. Then you're going to go actually address those and close those gaps. Hopefully when you get to the end of that, you actually do have your SSP, things are locked down. And then like you were saying is you, you got to operate it for some period of time. The question is, well, what is a realistic time period before you get to the assessment? Uh, honestly, it depends really on how mature you are as a company, how big you are, what your scope is. So, for example, if you are at the stage where you're only missing, let's say, an, an encryption, specific encryption for your hard drive and for your email, or let's say you're missing multi-factor authentication, those can be quickly, relatively quickly implemented. If you go out talk to several vendors, you make a decision, you sign the contract, you have the rolled out, you'll probably be up and running in a month with multi-factor. Let it run for a month or so, um, and then you can start scheduling your, your assessment. Um, however, if you was pretty much 
missing a lot of it. Let's say you don't have any log collection, you don't have any encryption, you don't have any um, any training, you don't have any access controls, you don't have MFA, none of that. Honestly, depending on the size of company can sometimes take a year. And especially like, uh, like you said, Scott, if you need to work with vendors, especially the ones that are also supporting CMMC of remediation, they also will have a backlog because not every vendor um, or supplier can just drop everything or has a you know unlimited amount of resources where they can, as soon as they sign a contract, they are ready to schedule in for remediation the next day. So it, it depends really. Gotcha. And, and I know like, I know, and again, I know keep going to my ISO days. Um, we, we had the same, and, and I, I see like, you know, obviously we don't necessarily know exactly what the time window is with CMMC yet. The ISO world, I mean, it was like almost like an absolute minimum was three months. Um, even for something like an MFA, you know, they wanted to see that, hey, you know, if it, if, your policies and procedures said, hey, we make sure that this is still working on a monthly basis. Well, they wanted to see three months worth of it. Um, you know, just to have those, those, we want to see that you actually did this three times consistently and things like that. So um, I could see very easily like where you could say, uh, you know, yeah, certain things, maybe a month is good enough. Um, yep. Probably a ballpark number would be an absolute minimum of three months or one business quarter. Um, and then to your point, if you're a big organization and there's all these other things that could, that window, I could very easily say, yeah, that window should be a year. Um, yeah. All right, then um, kind of moving on through this, um, are there any changes ahead that you see from the CMMC advisory board or improvements in the training that you went through that would somehow make assessments that the second wave of assessors do something different than what you guys went through? Um, I'm sure there will be. I mean, we are still in touch with CMMC and giving feedback. And that's part of what, why we are the provisional assessors, because we're also the, the guinea pigs. And uh, they are asking us to give feedback. So every question that we have, every recommendation, we're feeding that back to the CMMC-AB so they can then implement it going forward and also give guidelines. And of course, the CMMC does the same thing with the DOD, where we are expecting some requirements, some changes. So the DOD is also taking feedback in and making, um, hopefully, some of these decisions that are unclear, for example or providing additional guidelines. So yes, there will be um, updates and changes, but as, as I said, for us, for example, even though we're provisional assessors, we will have to go at the end of the summer or during summertime through an additional certification training and passing an exam on top of it. So whatever we learned in the last year, that we'll all, we're all gonna get additional training and making sure that we are up to speed. So at that point, everybody who's going to come after us is going to have this new training. And then I'm sure it will be maintained throughout as changes happen, the training will be adjusted as well. All right. And then one of the other questions that came in, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit. Um, 
can you kind of talk through what an assessment would actually look like when you show up at the place of business? Uh, and then kind of one, some of the other questions that were coming in, like, well, how, how long does the assessment take um, once you are on site? Okay. So um, once you're on site, um, once the assessors come in, and depending on what level you're looking for, the guidelines right now is um, for level one, you need one assessor, level two, two assessor, level three, three. But I've heard that they might uh, be up to four assessors. Um, so it, um, <clears throat> especially if you're going for level three, which a lot of companies will go for, um, if you have three assessors, um, you will, I mean, all the work will be divided across these. So which means there will be interviews with your IT staff. We will be reviewing the configuration. We will be looking at your policies, procedures. We will be talking to um, HR. We will be talking to your, your business operations, to your finances or contract team that manages and accesses this. So it will be a lot of interviews with the team on site and of course, collection of evidence. So in this case, we will ask the IT staff to provide configuration, let's say the firewalls, we're gonna review it, network diagrams, all of those things that are in technical nature, pretty much going through the entire CMMC requirements list and making sure that every single one of those 130 or 170, depending on what level you go for, are met. Um, how long that can take? It also does depend on the size of your company. If you're a small business, you have one office uh, with let's say 15 people on site and you're looking for a level three, um, I'm guessing probably two weeks. Um, remember level three also requires, it will require three people. So that uh, could go relative quick, but also here we are relying on the company that we're doing the assessment for to provide us with the information. So the quicker, um, the assessment or the company works with us and the quicker they provide us, the quicker the assessment could go. If it's gonna take months before we get some of the evidence back, that's gonna delay the assessment. Now, if you are a huge company and you are assessing your entire company instead of just the CUI segmentation or the CUI portion of it, um, can take months. Gotcha. Um... Yeah, so we're starting to uh, run out of time. So we just got a few minutes left. Um, one of the interesting questions I saw here kind of in the bottom of the list. So for any questions for the audience, for any questions that we didn't directly answer since we are getting to the end, um, we're gonna bundle those up and we'll, we'll give you a response electronically through email. Um, but yeah, one of the interesting questions that came through is, um, I am a subcontractor that only supplies cots. Uh, they're, un they're operating under the premise that they won't have to meet any CMMC level at all. Is that, a, is that a true assumption? Yes. Cots, completely off-the-shelf solutions, are exempt from uh, CMMC certification. That's the only ones that are out there that do not require CMMC but it needs to be off the shelf. So any kind of, even if it's off the shelf and then you start customizing it for something that is a different story, but completely off the shelf, 
you do not need CMMC. Okay, and then a variation on that question was um, feeding off of that COTS, um, but then they said they've heard that if you have limited rights on a drawing around that COT, uh, a COTS, and then it goes to a major prime, now that drawing is covered by CMMC, so now what kind of happens in that scenario? If you have limited rights on a drawing, it goes to a major prime. The drawing is now covered CMC. Well, technically, you based on based on the de definition of CUI, if you create something <clears throat> that is considered CUI, it it needs to be covered by CMMC. So in this case, you may have a COT application that does not need to meet the CMMC, but you're creating a product and that product falls under CUI. So if you will still need, you will still need to be CMMC certified as the, as the company generating because you are creating the CUI documentation. Gotcha. Hopefully that makes sense. So the vendor, for example, if I'm selling COTS software, I don't need to be certified. That's fine. But if I'm the user of a COTS software and I'm producing any documentation material or anything for or on behalf of the government that falls under the CUI classification, then me as the user of that COTS creating this document needs to be CMMC certified. Interesting. Okay, so... Let me think of it in terms of, um, you know, I've created a, a, a radio, right? And I create a, a PDF spec sheet that says this radio can receive AM and FM and it's an older style. So, it, you know, it, it has a USB port so I can put MP3s on it. Um, that spec sheet's just on my public website, but then the DOD ends up using that radio. Now, does that mean that that spec sheet is now CUI because they've consumed it, even though it's a commonly available thing off of a Amazon web store? Uh, no, because I don't think that would um, fall under CUI. Got I mean, the, the exact definition, if, you, if you're not sure if what you're creating falls under CUI, I suggest to go into the um, into NARA. Um, they are the ones that are controlling and have exact detailed description on their website what exactly is UI. So a normal radio probably not, but if it's somehow adjusted or you created that particular radio under a government contract for a government entity, in that case, most likely it would fall in into CUI. Outstanding. Uh, let's see. That was one I'm question. happy to share uh, for those that may not have it. I'm happy to share the link here on on the chat. And um, let's see if I can um, share that for everyone. And then make sure that you also go in there, take a look at it to to understand what really is CUI for you as a company. There we go.
Let's see. So I think this one, this one's one. Uh, I think one we can answer pretty quickly. Is there a document with the requirements for the various CMMC levels? Yes, and I'm about to post that on the chat link as well. So right here on the on the last link that I posted, if you go in there, you've got at the very top a link that says CMMC model and assessment guides. If you go in there, you have all the documents, the latest uh, CMMC standards, and all the supporting documentation that the DOD has put out. Gotcha. All right, so we are uh, running short on time, and I do want to—I did mention that we would be respectful and stop right at the top of the hour. Uh, Dasha, really appreciate all of the the time and information that you shared with us today. Um, Robert, uh, thank you for uh, you know allowing Dasha to join us with us today. Uh, Robert, did you have any quick words you wanted to say before we wrap this up today? Oh, I'm pretty sure Dasha doesn't need my permission, but uh, yeah, thank you everyone. Well, thank you guys at Simple Helix for inviting us to, to contribute to your CMMC series. We do appreciate that very much. And thanks everyone for joining. I hope you found it informative. I think Anna's put uh, Dasha's uh, email details as well as Simple Helix details in the conversation. So happy to continue the conversation. Let's uh, let, let's keep this going. But but thanks everyone for joining, and Scott, thanks to you for for emceeing. Great job. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, here, yeah, let me get my information uh, in the chat real quick here as well. And. Uh, and um, yeah, so for those of you that uh, we didn't get to your questions, uh, we're going to take the chat history and between Robert, Dasha, myself, uh, and Anna, we're going to get these all uh, answered for you guys and get it back out and really appreciate you all joining today. Thank you very much and you have a great afternoon. Thanks Thank everyone. Thank you very much, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.